welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, creative director Dom Hackman starts the series on how we can begin the journey of living a wise life. Well, I've shared a little bit before, um, either on the podcast or up here, about my time in South Carolina when I was 10 or 11 years old. I I spent a year out at a therapeutic boarding school uh, for a number of different things. Uh, But it was, I I grew up in inner city Houston, so uh, right in the heart of the third largest city of the United States. And this school in South Carolina was in podunk South Carolina. I mean, smaller than small town Arkansas. It took us 40 minutes to get anywhere from around the school because we were in the middle of the woods living in these cabins out there uh, in the boondocks. And so one of the things for me was that, that I had to deal with was just the culture shock that that was. And even more than that, I grew up you know, doing things for fun, um, playing baseball in Little League and stuff like that, going to games in downtown Houston. Well, for fun, when we got there, I was told by my peers who had coincidentally also gone to some other therapeutic programs that were outdoor programs, which basically meant that you got to hike and you got to do those therapy programs while out in nature and stuff like that, like all the time. And so they, they were quick to tell me that, uh, hey, every three weeks we get to go on a trip. Uh, a lot of times we'll go whitewater rafting, we'll go camping, we'll go canoeing, we'll do all these sorts of stuff. And I'm like, what do I do with this paddle? And <laughs> I had no idea what that was going to be like. And so the first time that we go out, we go out and I think we hiked 10 miles the first day. We'd go on the weekends and come back, back uh, kind of Sunday afternoon. And so we, we went out and we, we hiked this, and I'm dying by the, end, by the end of our first day hiking, and we set up camp. And it strikes me that I have no idea how to do anything. So I'm just kind of standing around. All these guys who had been at uh, some of these other programs, that they had learned how to bow drill, they had learned how to start fires, and all these different things. And so they're all chopping away. They're, they're starting the fire. They're setting up the camp. They're gathering the food. They're gathering all the stuff that you needed. And I'm just sitting there, a 10-year-old kid, just, just like a deer and looking at the headlights. I had no idea what I was doing. But thankfully, there was uh, always a leader with us because you wouldn't let a bunch of kids with therapeutic problems and behavioral issues go out in the woods by themselves. Um, So we had a couple of uh, um, chaperones type things, mentors. One of those names was Drake. And one of the things that I appreciated about Drake was not only did he have a great deal of knowledge and wisdom about what what we were supposed to do and what we needed to do, in my mind, I was like, what do we need to do to survive out here in the woods? Uh, but he had the wisdom to show us exactly what to do, both at the campsite and when we were like rafting and doing all of those things. And so um, we get back uh, Sunday, Sunday evening and it strikes me, I'm like, I would have died out there alone. This would not have been good. Uh, and it, it struck me that I lacked the skills, the survivor, survival skills that were necessary in order for me to survive. And in that moment, I was like, I got to get out of here. I don't know which way is up, but I need to get back to the city. I wanted a shift in circumstances. And so if you will, what I want to do this morning, we're going to do a couple of these. I want you to take out your connection card again and also turn kind of left or right to the person next to you. And what I want you to do is I want you to tell them um, the thing that you feel you most need 
in your life right now. And so I, I want you to take a second. I'm going to pause for a little bit, and I'm going to let you turn and tell them the thing you think you most need in your life right now. And if you're not sitting next to your spouse and they say you, feel free to get up and move to a different seat in the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm curious. I do want you to write that on your connection card um, just so we can kind of look at those throughout the week uh, as staff. But uh, one of the, I heard it on multiple occasions, uh, I think a lot of you guys probably said something in the, the area of money, uh, maybe a raise, maybe some of you guys just need a time, uh, a little bit of time off, some, so maybe you guys need a break, or maybe you guys just need some time away from the kids. You missed that a couple of weeks ago in Gulf Shores with Larry and Lorinda, but you had your opportunity and you missed it. But <laughs> what I would say is that by and large, I would, I would think a lot of your answers had to do with wanting a change in circumstance. I think for a lot of us, we think that the idea of changing circumstances will get us to the place that we need to be. It will make our life easier, it'll make our life better. We'll be able to flourish and thrive. If we just had more money, if we just had more time, if we just had a little bit of a change in circumstance. And the thing that I want to tell you is that if that were true, then the most successful, the most happy, the most flourishing and thriving people would all live in New York and Los Angeles. But we see that that doesn't happen a lot. In fact, a lot of times we as humans find a way to mess up even the best of circumstances. If you want further proof of that, you can go and read in Genesis 3. But... <laughs> One of the things that I would submit to you is this, that what you need in life is not a change in circumstance. The thing that I think that you need in life is the skills to be able to thrive regardless of those circumstances. And so as a staff, one of the things that we decided, and over the past year, we've been looking at this idea of exploring, coming out of the pandemic and knowing that it's time for us to go. Right, that we're gonna make, a, we're gonna plan, we're gonna prepare for us to go, and we're going to build. And once we we settle, we're gonna make an outpost where we can uh, continue to send people out and, and minister to people in and around the city, like our mission statement tells us that we should. But this year, one of the things that I know has been true is that coming out of this pandemic, coming into this new normal, so to speak, we're still adjusting to the way that life is. I know some, some of us are, are in here and we're, we're still struggling. We're still uh, trying to get back to the pace that we were living at before then. Or we can't keep up with the pace that life is at now. And whether it's because we, we, we had a, another kid during the, the past couple years, whether it's because um, your work has changed, or regardless of the circumstance, you might feel overwhelmed or in over your head or something like that. A lot of us too still are, are complacent, are content with where our life is at, and we're just willing to go with the flow and kind of go where life is leading us. And so as a staff, well, the thing that we came to, and this will be kind of a soft launch into this next kind of campaign, but the thing that we prayed over this year that we were in desperate need of, not only as a church here, but in the world and in the city, is what we need uh, is not a change in circumstance. What we need is wisdom. 
why they picked me to speak on wisdom? I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. But here we are, and this morning, um, the, things that, the question that I want to answer this morning is, how do we know we're on the path towards wisdom? How do we know we're on the path towards wisdom? And so I want to do three things this morning. First thing is to, to define wisdom. And the second thing we're going to do is we are going to talk about the beginning of wisdom and talk about what it looks like for us to walk in wisdom. So the first thing we need to address is this. What is wisdom and why is it so important? Well, wisdom really, if you allow me to geek out for just a second, uh, it comes from the Hebrew word chokmah, which essentially means skill or applied knowledge. You see, there's a difference between just head knowledge and applied knowledge and actually letting your actions speak for the knowledge that you have. But I would quickly uh, define wisdom as this. Wisdom is the skill of living obediently and successfully under God. Wisdom is the skill of living obediently and successfully under God. And one of the things that, that, that I want to make a, a statement about is this, that I don't think there is wisdom apart from God. That all wisdom is breathed out by God, that all wisdom comes from God. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so what we can learn is that, that wisdom is, is given and granted and understanding is given and insight is, is gifted to us because of God. And apart from him, there is no, no wisdom. And that's why we can see, and you hear Larry say it all the time, biblical principles work regardless of setting regardless of whether you're in the business world, the secular world, regardless of what environment you're in, you can all trace it back to these biblical principles that God has, has intertwined into the fabric of humanity and society as a whole. And so what we're gonna do as we continue to define wisdom is we're gonna flip over to the book of Proverbs. It's gonna be interesting with this, this series. Uh, I'm gonna speak from Proverbs next week. Jack is gonna be in Ecclesiastes and Larry is going to speak from Job. And so we're kind of gonna get uh, a flyover of the wisdom books. Those are the three uh, wisdom books of the wisdom literature in scripture. And what you need to know about Proverbs is Proverbs uh, is very black and white, kind of like me. Um, but <laughs> Proverbs is, um, speaks and understands the, the patterns of life that we all go through. By and large, Proverbs is, gives us principles for life. They're not laws, but they give us principles for life. For instance, if you go to the gym and work out, you will be healthier, Caden, stop laughing, we will be healthier and live longer. You can find that in Proverbs 6. Don't, don't look. But you can find them in Proverbs. <laughs> That's not, that is a proverb. And, and the point of that is, by and large, that's true. But in Proverbs, there are exceptions. And <laughs> while if you do go to the gym and work out, you will be healthier, you're not going to outwork a bad diet. And so, by and large, that statement is true, but it's not law. Moreover, it's just a principle that more oftentimes contributes to a successful life. And that's what the book of Proverbs kind of does throughout its, uh, its narrative. Ecclesiastes and Job deal with uh, the exceptions to that. But in Proverbs 1, if that's where you want to open up, it'll be on the screen as well. This is what it says, starting in verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, King of Israel, 
Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the, the meaning in these Proverbs and, the, and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so that's, that's how the book opens. Uh, the first nine chapters are kind of a very long and lengthy introduction where it's almost like a father and a son dialogue back and forth where the father is trying to uh, imprint this knowledge onto the son and hope that the, the son will grasp onto what the father is teaching. We don't have time to kind of jump into all the caveats in that, but I want to reread this, this part in verse two where it says, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. And kind of like I alluded to in, in that verse of Proverbs 2, that all wisdom is breathed out and given, granted by God. Here we see the same thing is true, that the purpose of this wisdom, the purpose of, um, the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach us, to give us the survival skills or wisdom that we can, that we can learn in order for us to grasp onto and a hold of, for us to live a successful, a moral, and a thriving and flourishing life. You know, the way that we live our lives a lot of times is not optimal. A lot of the times the way that we live is not very conducive towards uh, human flourishing. But what these Proverbs aim to do, what wisdom aims to do is to give you the tools necessary for you to live a life where you can flourish, to live a life where you can follow after God. And so if we know that wisdom is the path towards a successful life, towards that uh, towards that joy and, and morality, where are we to begin? Proverbs 1 verse 7 says it this way, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And some of you know this, some of you may not, but this idea of fearing the Lord, you might ask, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Like, I don't, I, Dom, I don't want to just be scared of it. I don't want to avoid him. I don't want to hide under my bed or check under my bed at night to see <laughs> if the Lord is there. Uh, what does it mean to fear the Lord? And what I would tell you is this. You're not going to get very far if you try to study the word fear and Lord in isolation and in separation of one another. It'd kind of be like studying the words ball and park and studying them individually, and you'd end up in two very different places. But when you put it together and you get fear of the Lord, what you get is a whole new meaning. And there are different types of fear. There is that kind of fear where uh, Allison could tell you many a stories of her like walking or getting up uh, at night and me like kind of rousing up and realizing there's a shadowy figure and screaming in terror because I realize <laughs> there's someone hovering over. <laughs> and there are many stories like that. There's that kind of fear where you're, you're afraid you're going to die. Um, but then there's this other <laughs> kind of fear. Allison's a very scary person. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> She's pretty fierce. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's that kind of fear. Uh, and there's also the fear of the Lord. 
And that's a little bit different. And to better define that, I kind of want to do another one of these experiments. And so I want you to turn to the person next to you. You don't have to write this one on your connection card. This one isn't, isn't quite as interesting. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them the thing you're most fearful of losing in life. This is a little bit different, but go ahead and do that. I'll give you a couple seconds. All right, Luke, if you want to flip it over to the next slide, too. All right. Yeah, some of you guys know this. Some of you guys do. Um, and we'll get to y'all's answers here in a second, but this is my answer. I, I'm, like, terrified, terrified of Allison, so she's not this answer. Um, just kidding. But this is another one of my answers that w definitely, for the sake of this example, works very well. Uh, so the, the older one, the shorter one up there, uh, that little bear is named Chin Chin. And I don't share this with everyone. This is actually kind of like a vulnerable moment. I think Allison's probably surprised that I put this in here. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so um, Chin Chin was given to me at the orphanage when I was a kid in Vietnam. And uh, the one on its right is, <laughs> is another Chin Chin. Uh, and it's a newer one. Obviously, the uh, OG Chin Chin has been very well loved. Um, but Chin Chin and I, um, Chin Chin was like my favorite thing to have around with me when I was a, when I was a, with a kid. But after I was sexually abused when I was four, it became even stronger, and it became like um, just like my comfort. And I'd bring it to like therapy. Uh, it was the one thing that I had with me besides the clothing with me when I left home when I was ten. And so ever since then, like I just. This is like the one material thing that I am fearful of something happening to, fearful of losing. Like this just means a great deal to me because of the, the walk that I had in my life and um, the different things that I've gone through. And so this would be the thing that I am most fearful of losing. But I want to ask you, what, 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 are you, what are you most scared of losing in your life? And the reason I ask that question is because if you can show me the thing that you're most fearful of losing, then I can show you the thing that you most treasure. If you can define the thing that you're most fearful to lose, I can show you the thing that you treasure most. And so when it comes to fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is so much different because we, we fear the Lord in the same way that uh, the man in the parable of the field and the pearl uh, treasures that field. Because he's found the pearl in the field and he knows that what he's found is more precious than gold. And the way that we should treasure our relationship with God, the way that we should treasure our relationship that we have with Jesus uh, and the knowledge of what we know he's done for us is such that we should, we should grab onto it and hold onto it in such a way that there's nothing that we would let come in between us. There's nothing um, that we would, we would be more broken about than losing that relationship with God. And so when it comes to fearing God, that's what it means to fear God. The beginning of wisdom is treasuring God more than anything else in your life. If I can again kind of be a little bit more vulnerable, this week it was kind of difficult for me to do that. I kind of, I struggled with that immensely. And, and honestly, in my sermon prep, once we got back from vacation, uh, it was a part of my prayer that I was like, Lord, I, I, I've, 
I've struggled, I've stumbled. Um, if you guys don't know, Allison and I, we just bought a house. Um, and so the past couple of years for us has been kind of crazy between graduating college and, um, you know, starting our new jobs. And then even as, as recently as a couple of weeks ago, we bought our first house. The day we signed, I, I went off to Gulf Shores. We were at Home Builders. We came back. Um, our, her fa- my father-in-law, Allison's dad, came and helped us work, and we repainted and refloored uh, everything in the house. And then just like that, once we finished all of that and it was time to leave, we flew out to Boston for vacation. So it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks. But one of the things that I, I realized is that I, I've struggled the last couple of weeks to really treasure my relationship with God, to safeguard that time with him, to know that, Lord, this time is for you. And God, I don't just want to read the verse of the day on my phone as I'm driving to work. I don't want to, I don't want to just throw on a podcast while I'm in the shower. I want to guard off my time completely and totally and, and, and perfectly so that I give you the attention in our relationship that, we, that you deserve. And my challenge for you would be this. Do you do the same? Do you treasure your relationship with God in a way where you um, would value that to that kind of degree? And so if we've kind of established uh, what wisdom is and where to begin, but how do we know that we're still on the right path? And I want to give us a few ways that, real quickly that uh, will help us to do that. One of the things we visited while we were on vacation was uh, we went to Plymouth, and uh, that was pretty cool, although it wasn't as cool as Cooperstown, New York, to see the Baseball Hall of Fame or Fenway Park. Um, but I guess history is cool um, <laughs> a little bit. You know, I, and Jeremy, I, I thought about using a map to kind of, you know, demonstrate this, but I figured that's more your territory. Um, but we visited Plymouth, and, and they kind of showed us the, the replica of the ship, the, the little town that... Um, they would, have, they would have had back in those times. It was, it was at 1620 when, when they made the voyage over um, to the Americas. And it would have taken 66 days um, for, those, for those people to get over. Um, there is, I think, 102 people on that ship when they came over. And within the first year of them um, getting here, uh, they, <laughs> half of them had, had died for various reasons. But one of the things that was interesting is where they were originally setting out to go was uh, near the Hudson River in New York, and where they ended up was about 240 miles um, further than that, or in a different direction than where they had intended. And for us, um, one of the things I think is interesting that Proverbs does is it talks uh, about all sorts of things. It talks about um, money. It talks about relationships. It even talks about sex. Uh, there are uh, many subjects um, that Proverbs respects and understands that life's patterns will take us. But one of the things that Proverbs talks about at a great deal of length is the path. It, it con- continually talks about like the path of the righteous, the path of the wicked, and it will con- converse and contrast these different things and tell us about what it looks like to be on the right path. But spiritually for us, it's kind of like the Mayflower in the sense that for us, it's very easy for us, even without realizing, for us to get off on a different track or to get sidetracked in a different direction even ever so slightly. But when you're going on a voyage across the Atlantic Ocean 66 days, you can see that, you know, it makes a, a difference of about 240 miles. And for us, if we're not intentional, uh, if we're not intentional to where we are and where we're walking on the path, we can end up out in the middle of the woods, like that school in South Carolina. And my goal for, for this morning is, is I, I would hope that we can stay on track 
where God wants us. And so the first thing that uh, I want you to know about what it looks like for us to be on the right path is that walking on the right path requires attentive ears. Walking on the right path requires attentive ears. In Proverbs 8, if you want to flip there, starting in verse 1, it says this, Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop, along the road, she she takes her, her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance of the town on the road uh, leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you. I raise, raise, my voice, uh, raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone who with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to it. And I think one of the things that is interesting about that, again, we see that wisdom is more valuable than any physical or material thing that we could have. Wisdom is of the utmost value. But what the other thing that I think is, is interesting about that is that wisdom calls out to us. It, comes, it actively comes out in the street to the crossroads to call out. And what I want you to know is that um, the opposite of wisdom is to be a fool. And the fool is the one who isn't willing to step out to listen, to hear, to what wisdom has to say. My question for you would, would be this. Are you willing to listen for wisdom's words? Are you actively making strides where you put yourself in a situation where you also step out on that road, on that path, and you can listen to what God has to say to you? You can listen um, to what wisdom God wants to um, put into your heart and, and, and convict you of through the Holy Spirit. Dr. Strange, for instance. Uh, don't spoil the movie for me. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Um, but we've been traveling and all that kind of stuff. Dr. Strange, the original kind of um, encapsulated this ideal, this idea that this guy is a, a hotshot doctor. Um, what he does um, is he, he's, he's a surgeon. He operates on people, and he's, he's the best at what he does. He's rich. Um, he's got everything you could ever want to. And then he decides he's going to you know, drive his car off a cliff and um, fracture his hands and destroy any, any of his career that he could have had. And Dr. Strange kind of goes and he, he's going to get his powers and all this kind of thing. Um, but he's too arrogant. He won't listen to uh, what his mentor has to say. And for a lot of us, I think that's the problem uh, for us too. Um, it's not until Dr. Strange realizes that he has more to learn and that he orients his heart to a place of humility um, that he's open to listening to what, to what wisdom um, he can learn. And I think for a lot of us, that's the issue, is that we think we, we, we've got it all figured out or we think that we're, we're content where we're at, we'll just go with the flow. Uh, we're not intentional enough about listening for wisdom's call. And here's a good kind of earmark to know whether you're, you're actually attentive or, or listening for wisdom. Uh, the wise person thinks himself a fool, but the fool always thinks of himself as wise. 
That's why I always admit to being a very stupid person. Um, <laughs> and, um, but the idea is that, yeah, we need to, we need to be, um, come to the Lord in a way where we're humble and willing to listen to what he has to say to us. And so, um, like I said, this past week, Jason came up and helped work on the house. We repainted. Um, Jack came over too, and, and that was something where we got to replace our back door, tear out the framing, um, all these different things that I had no idea how to do because I am a new homeowner. Um, but I couldn't have done any of that without their help. And in fact, Allison and I kind of kind of tallied up the numbers of like, we had at least 10 to 12 people, um, whether it was college students or Jack or, um, you know, Jason who came up here, come and help us do different stuff at the house. And the day Jason, Jason left um, was the day we finished everything we said we wanted to do. So right up to the moment uh, that we that it was time for all of us to leave, uh, we finished the things that we had set out a goal to do. And the point is that I couldn't have done that without asking uh, for his help and the help of others. And it brings me to my second thing is, um, walking the path of wisdom requires actively seeking it. It requires surrounding yourself with people who are in a position to help, help you. Proverbs 2, verse 2 and 3 says this, Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. And what I love about that set of verses is you're tuning your ears because you're listening to them. You've oriented your heart in, in such a way where you're humble enough to listen for wisdom's words. But not only are you wi- listening for them, you're crying out for that help. I know a, one of the things that, that really has helped me to be able to understand what this should look like uh, is many of you know that for a great season of time when I was in college and before I was married, uh, I pretty much lived at Jackie Karen's house. Um, and I asked them for help with all sorts of things. Uh, I asked Jack for help when I went to go uh, purchase my vehicle. Um, I, I got, to, got to help him and, and he would ask me for help and I would ask him for the knowledge about how he was doing some of the different projects he was doing on his house and it's one of those things where um, you've heard the saying that you become like the five closest people you surround your with, yourself with. And that's what I would say is that you, you have to, in order to orient yourself uh, for wisdom, in order to stay on the path of wisdom, you need to surround yourself with people who are wiser than you. You need to surround yourself with people who can speak into your life uh, and encourage you and, and give you that kind of mentorship. And this is one of the reasons why we, we put such a huge emphasis on small group. Uh, this is one of the things that we say is that small group is the backbone of our ministry. Uh, I know at Thrive, uh, our college ministry, one of the things we say is, if you have to choose between Wednesday night service and small group, I would rather you pick small group. It's because those relationships have an opportunity to dig deeper, uh, to surround yourself with people who know where you're at in your walk with Christ, to know the, the, the sin struggles in your life, to know the places where you're complacent about seeking God, and to challenge you um, to turn and go a different way and to stay on that path. It's kind of like praying for a hedge of protection. You know what a hedge of protection is? It's, it's, it's got thorns built to keep you in that hedge or that, on that path. And I would say that wisdom is similar and that it is our job to surround ourselves with wise people. And the final part, um, similar to attentively seeking wisdom, is that walking in wisdom requires that you ask God 
for it. When was the last time you asked God for wisdom? I think one of the things that um, we struggle with as in, in Christian culture is, is just simply asking God for wisdom. Uh, I know one of the things that I started doing uh, when I interned in Indiana with, with a church out there uh, was he said right at the top of your quiet time every day, um, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it? Um, before, you did any, before I did anything, before it was, God, I'm struggling with this, God, I, I, I need this, God, I need healing here, it was, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it? James 1.5 says it this way, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And I think it's, it's just a very clarifying thing for us to, to consider um, because I think a lot of us, we, we get uh, caught up in life and we get caught up in, in this place and space where uh, we're asking God to meet the desires of our heart, uh, our attentive needs that we need done now. Um, and my challenge for you in asking for wisdom and walking the path of wisdom is, is to look forward and ahead, to keep your eyes straight and plain. And Proverbs says it that way. Um, your eyes straight and plain where you can be more proactive and ask God to speak to you in those moments. Um, King Solomon, one of the wisest people to ever live on this earth in 1 Kings chapter three, um, he's praying to God and he actually cries out to, to him and says, Lord, uh, give me wisdom. Uh, help me to have the wisdom to govern over your people. And God grants him that. And he says, because you've asked, I will give it to you. And Solomon ends up becoming one of the wisest people that we see in scripture. And I think that if we would, would do that, we would uh, ask God with that kind of intentionality, he would be swift to give it to us. And so, um, how do we know that we can walk the path of wisdom? We can ask God for it. We can surround ourselves with people who can give us that wise counsel and we can open our heart uh, and posture our heart in a way where we're humble and willing to listen for it. And so here in a couple of minutes, we're gonna close. I'm gonna go ahead and ask the band to come, come up here um, as we transition to, to worship and invitation. Uh, but if I can just be real with you, um, the last couple of years, kind of like I shared with so much going on uh, between graduating and the pandemic, uh, between um, all these different things, going on in our lives, getting married and being newlyweds um, and now buying this house. Uh, it's been a very clarifying season for us. Uh, and I feel like I've learned more in the last couple of years than I did, you know, my time in college, all those times before that. Um, but one thing that I always joked about is that um, once I get done with school, I hated school, by the way. Uh, I much, would have much rather been playing sports or um, doing something that I actually wanted to do. Uh, and I always joked that I, dad will never go to the library again, which I never did anyway. Um, and I'll never study. I'll never have to open a book ever again after I graduate. Uh, one of the things that uh, I know has become more and more real for me uh, even over this last two weeks as, as we've been bouncing around, um, doing a bunch of different stuff, whether it was in Gulf Shores or here or Boston, uh, one of the things that has struck me is that I still don't have the survival skills to thrive in life. I still don't have the wisdom that I need to flourish in this life. And left to my own devices, uh, I'm a selfish person. I'm, I'm a sinner. Um, I struggle daily to be the husband, 
that I should be, the, the minister that I should be, um, the man that I know God is calling me to be. And I, and I struggle with that. And I think for a lot of us, um, if we were honest with ourselves, if we looked in the mirror in the morning, uh, we would say that we struggle with those same things. But the beauty uh, of wisdom, the beauty of the gift of wisdom and the beauty of the gospel is that wisdom is not just a path you walk on. Wisdom is a lifelong journey. Proverbs 1 verse 5 says, says this, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. And it talks about this idea um, that you're always gonna be in need in wisdom. You're never gonna know as much as you think you need to know. One of my favorite quotes um, it's from a fitness guy, but it's one of the guys that I, I listen to frequently. It says this, the man who loves walking will walk further than the man who loves the destination. And for a lot of us, we, we know Jesus. We, we, we've, we've seen his saving power. We've, we, we've felt his saving grace. And for, for way too many of us, that's enough. We're not actively seeking wisdom. We're not actively chasing after him. We're not actively taking steps to walk in the ways of the Lord, to walk in the ways of wisdom. And I know some of you here in here, I'm kind of in that boat too, especially this week, are saying, Dom, like, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm in over my head right now. We've got so many things going on. We've got family coming in town. Uh, work's been hard. I don't know if I can keep going forward. And I'll share with you at the end of Proverbs, um, Agur, he was similar to us. And he says this, I am weary, oh God, I am weary and worn out. I am too stupid to be a human and I lack common sense. I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Who but God goes up to heaven and comes down? Who holds the wind in his fist? Who wraps the oceans in his cloaks? Who created the whole wide world? What is his name? And he says something interesting. He says, what is his son's name? And generations later, Jesus is sitting with a man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Uh, so he's very well versed on scripture. Uh, and he, he looks at Jesus and says, you are a wise man, you are wise. And Jesus looks at him and says, you have no idea. And John 3 says, uh, Jesus replies, no one has ever gone down to heaven in return, but the son of man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. So everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And he says the famous verse that we all know, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And what I love about bringing those two verses together is Jesus marries them. And, and, and what we know from scripture is that Jesus has become wisdom for us. He has paved the path for us to walk down and he has walked it himself. He can not only give us the survival skills that we need to thrive in this life, but he can offer you salvation. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. The pathway of wisdom is a lifelong journey. 
And you get the opportunity each and every day to wake up and glorify God and to seek him and to ask him for his wisdom, to surround yourself with his people, to treasure him like he's treasured you on that cross. So my final encouragement for you is this, will you walk with Jesus and seek his wisdom as we seek to become more like him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, just for the gift of wisdom. Lord, for revealing yourself through your word. And Father, ultimately for becoming wisdom for us, for coming down and being lifted up into heaven and dying the death we deserve. Father, we are helpless on our own. We are fools, fools that should be pitied. Um, but God, we thank you for what you've done for us. And God, we thank you for